0: Welcome back to Kia Says Some Shit Podcast, a place where we'll be discussing all things in life, according to me. I'm your host, Ken. I definitely got some shit to say. No, I know it's been a minute, and life has been life and Summer has been summering, and things have been happening in the world. It's been going into quarantine and coming out. But in those things happening, I've had so many conversations with people, and one conversation led me into this podcast now this podcast began with a conversation with a friend about valentine's day and uh, valentine's day or heart's day a side chick day a galentine's day a roses are red violets are blue if you ain't got shit for me enjoy your hand boo boo day i mean it was about love and intimacy and what that means right so I decided that this podcast, I'd be talking about what I feel is most important in a relationship. And remember, relationships include ones with lovers, family, friends, and yourself. And that is intimacy. So before I go into the usual thing and give you definitions and thoughts, I, I chose to ask a few friends what the definition of intimacy was. And a number of them detailed acts that boiled down to being able to be still with a loved one enjoying their company, physical touch that does not necessarily lead to a sexual act or rather the love language of quality time. One person wrote being comfortable, being emotionally naked and emotionally intelligent. Now, I loved that response. I feel there's a level of trust that comes along with intimacy and a level of emotional nakedness that we allow when we decide to become intimate. I don't necessarily feel like sex is the most intimate act because it's an act. And for some, it's an easier act than being open and honest with yourself and and others. Yes, there's this physical vulnerability there. It may be a need for closeness, even a desire to use someone else's body as a conduit to give yourself a moment of intimacy. But are you actually being intimate with that person that you're having sex with? Some like to differ. One could say that intimacy... Is the sharing and appreciation of another's theirness. Now, Mr. World, or rather the World Wide Web, says that intimacy is a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person or group, a close association with or detailed knowledge, or deep understanding of a place, subject, period of history, etc. You know, like the intimacy with Japan or an intimacy with the history of America and the lack of acceptance or acknowledgement of the past from its citizens and an act or expression serving as a token of familiarity, affection, or the like, like to allow the intimacy of using first names or family nickname. Now, intimacy usually denotes mutual vulnerability, openness, and sharing, and is usually referring to romantic relationships parent-child relationships, siblinghood, and friendships. The term is sometimes used to refer to sexual interactions. But intimacy does not have to be sexual Sexual because too many, it's so much more than a physical connection. It's a personal one based on mental and emotional affection. And it is vital in maintaining a healthy social life because humans are social creatures who thrive on close personal relationship with others. See, even Tom Hanks needed Wilson. Even Michael Jackson needed Ben. And I'll be discussing five types of intimacy. Four are non-physical. And then we can get into discussing the whips and chains of it all. But those are the ones I'm going to discuss first. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. I am not a medical, mental, or health professional. I'm not here to bully, chastise. Or judge, okay, maybe just judge a little bit. But I'm just a woman with a podcast with some shit to say and thought there were people out there that like to hear, so here it goes. Now, the four types of intimacy I want to discuss before going into the fifth are experiential, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. And like I said again, and then we'll get into the physical and sexual intimacy. Now, experiential intimacy is basically Shared experiences, such as leisure activities that lead to inside jokes and private memories that can intensify a connection. Backstory. When I moved to New York, I began venturing out and attending industry events. I was in my 20s. We were all young, dumb, and some of us full of cum. Okay, no, we weren't. Okay, let let me just speak for myself. I wasn't. But we were also excited to see what the Big Apple had in store for us. Some connections were made easily seeing the same person or people at different events, commenting and gushing over each other's outfits and style, being able to network through loud music with occasional dance challenges while double fisting Patron based drinks in Mark Echo's third floor space. And if you remember and you were there, then you remember and you were there. Or me meeting my now best friend at the knitting factory at a Q-tip concert after her quizzing me on being from Maryland. But if you let her tell it, I tried to fight her. That's what she tells everybody. That's her story. She's sticking to it. But if I wanted to fight her, we'd afford (laughs) I love her. Anyway, those experiences created a familiarity that caused us all to have a type of experiential intimacy, which is which in turn led to many of us becoming friends because we were all testing this new life in this new place out all at the same time, having different but familiar experiences. Is it a type of experiential intimacy? Another type of experiential intimacy is the act of teamwork and moving in unison towards a common goal while creating an experience. Also establishing a feeling of closeness. Like work associates. See, there is a closeness because we are experiencing the same environment at the same time, working towards the same goal a paycheck, a better contract, etc. This bond is a result of experiential intimacy. Now, the second type of intimacy that I want to talk about is emotional intimacy, which involves candid, authentic sharing of thoughts and feelings. It involves being able to tell each other your deepest fears, your dreams, your disappointments, and most complicated emotions, as well as feeling seen and understood when you do so. Emotional intimacy seems or means both you and your loved one, your partner, your friend, your person, your other feel safe and comfortable with this type of uninhibited expression around each other. I have an episode where I speak in depth about safe spaces, what they are and how to be one for yourself and others. And emotional intimacy is a place where there is an emotional safe space. This safe space is cultivated by each person refraining from judgment or contempt when the other is sharing. See, we confide in people whom we trust. That doesn't mean that they are always will tell us what we want to hear. But we believe that they won't repeat anything we share in confidence. We also don't expect them to embarrass or belittle us while we're sharing. Within emotional intimacy, there's an emotional acceptance, which is how you feel about what's being said. And are able to be okay with what their feelings are. You don't have to agree, but you do have to be present. And understand that their emotions is coming from somewhere. It's a strong pointer to something deeper. And they have a right to those feelings, to accept those feelings, and to process those feelings. You also have a right to accept those feelings, to process those feelings, to understand those feelings. And I mean yours. When we pillow talk, we're talking about current lives and past lives and thoughts of both. And dreams and goals. and That is something that a lot of times occurs after people finish having sex, you know, after you finish exchanging energies and fluids and you guys want to cuddle and talk about your families, about your day, about your desires. That's when you, you have this feeling of safety. You're safe enough for that naked vulnerability. That's emotional intimacy. And if I was to place intimacies in a list from the most important to me, I would place emotional intimacy at the top. See, my son is a cancer, isn't cancer, and we can have a whole conversation about cancers who processed childhood traumas and healed from them versus a cancer that is living in chaos and survival mode, but it is going way left. So instead, we're going to talk about the stereotypical reputation of cancer which is being hyper-emotional, temperamental, and spiteful. And they all true, no cap. But that's, again, that's apples and oranges. That's a huge cancer versus one who is living in a state of chaos. But the need for emotional intimacy trumps physical because that's easy to most people. To cancers, we are extremely emotional creatures. We are extreme softies. When you get, when we love you and you get to know us and that is our gen, that's when we are in our genuine state. So again, emotional intimacy trumps physical because that's easy to most people, not to all, but to a lot who are in denial that an emotional connection where the person just wants them for them and they can be a hundred percent of themselves without a mask, no matter how fleeting, no matter how small or minute, that is what's desired. If you want to work on strengthening your emotional intimacy with yourself or foster emotional intimacy in your relationships, you can start by engaging in deeper, more introspective conversations. There are plenty of people in physical intimate relationships where there is a huge lack of emotional intimacy. Literally, there is a stranger in your house, in your bed, sharing your last name. But if you want to change that, you can start by asking open-ended questions. Thought-provoking questions. Ask them how they feel about what they said. How do they feel about what you said? If there's negativity, ask where do they think those feelings are coming from? No need to dog paddle around the shallow and get waist deep in it. Get shoulders, lips quivering deep. Have those conversations about emotions and experiences you don't usually share with others. Listen to understand rather than waiting to respond or defend because we are quick to cut someone off when we think we know where their thoughts are going. And that is so annoying. It is so annoying. I just met a guy recently who did that. I was just like, dude, is this vent a ventriloquist act or something? Because I don't know. I don't know if you know where I'm going. And I don't think you know where I'm going. As soon as I change the subject, he would Anyway. Always be careful not to invalidate someone else's feelings so that you can establish an environmental or environment conducive to open, honest dialogue. See, everyone wants to feel seen and everyone wants to feel heard. Now, the third intimacy we're going to discuss is intellectual intimacy. It's a comfort with communicating beliefs and viewpoints without worrying about potential conflicts created is intellectual intimacy. Each person in this relationship has the freedom to think for themselves and believes that their opinions are valued instead of feeling pressured to agree. This atmosphere encourages stimulating conversations. You feel closer to the person who cares for your independent of differences and respects your voice. We all have different upbringings, different experiences, beliefs, methods, coping mechanisms, morals, moral compasses environments etc it is impossible for us to have the same exact mindset which is fine it's not the debate team and even if it was being able to look at a conversation or topic from different points of view or being open to another's idea is a basis of intellectual intimacy again we all don't have to agree we can agree to disagree that is fine I believe that emotional and intellectual intimacy goes hand in hand. Remember I said earlier in the podcast, sharing an appreciation of another's theirness. Feeling safe enough to be me wholeheartedly, safe enough to be vulnerable with my thoughts and I have them shot down, an appreciation of my selfness and being able to appreciate someone else's theirness. To be mentally, emotionally free and share that with the other and okay with it. I'm okay with not agreeing, but also okay with the understanding that we all live on this planet together and are living different experiences and knowing that I never walk in someone else's shoes. So I would never place myself in someone else's shoes, but still being aware that I can empathize with them and understand that there are different ways to look at a situation. And just because there are doesn't mean your way is wrong. It might not apply to everybody else. Allowing for thought-provoking conversation that challenges each person's ideas is another formable method of bonding in a relationship. And as long as no one feels personally attacked. A way to increase intellectual intimacy, you can create more intellectual intimacy by sparking discussions where you and your partner have different perspectives. Which should be a lot of conversations. Make a conscious effort to have these talks without growing defensive or angry. Don't generalize. Don't speak for the other person. Disagreements isn't a requirement. However, you can also discuss ideas and abstract concepts that you're exploring together. This type of intimacy is about connecting through logic and philosophical expression. I recently had a conversation about dating versus courting. Someone said that they believe it's the same thing because while dating, there is an understanding that you are courting this one person. There is some type of relationship and you continue to date after the relationship is solidified. Now, I don't feel that dating necessarily involves an intention to a change of name because it can be done with casually with multiple people usually it's mostly physical and can eventually or perhaps lead to a romantic relationship but courtship courtship on the other hand there is an immediate intention of marriage like this is a train to marriage hood chew choo. chew choo. Choo, motherfucking chew choo. it might not lead there but that is the intention by the end of the conversation i understood where my friend was coming from and her thought process on it and i respected it However, I'm fully aware of my personal beliefs and where my thought process comes from or my biases. The intellectual intimacy there was shown by us being able to communicate and share our viewpoints without conflict and the other understanding that it's okay for us to have different points of view. Now, religious practice isn't necessary for spiritual intimacy. Though it can serve the purpose, spiritual intimacy is a closeness Formed when you share poignant moments with your partner, moments such as praying and worshiping as a couple that could qualify, watching the sunrise with your partner and bathing in its glory, walking and enjoying nature together, enjoying the beauty of stillness and being emotionally and mentally present as a unit and accepting each other's theirness. Discussing your sense of purpose, your ethics, sharing what the other's presence means to you asking questions like do I bring anything to your life or being vulnerable and naked with the other and discussing your fears like I don't feel like I show up for you the way I should sharing moments of healed trauma or being open to discuss it with clear minds reading and a few passages from yours or their religious text before bed every night or poetry or a book or even meditating together I understand that doing so may help them or yourself relax and feel mutually attuned with a power greater than yourself, the universe, your, your higher self, their higher self, or even holding hands and praying over a meal. See, spiritual intimacy allows for transcendent connection beyond logic and consciousness. It helps to be deliberate and intentional while improving on this type of closeness. Although sometimes these instances may just happen since they can occur without or outside of your realm of influence. Talking about spirituality with your partner so that each of you can discover experiences that the other considers awe-inspiring. Then regularly schedule time to engage in those in similar endeavors. See, the good thing about spiritual intimacy is that you don't have to exert much effort aside from creating opportunities. Let the moment do the work. Now, 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 now. Most people believe that physical intimacy and sex are synonymous. Baby girl, baby boy, (laughs) they are not. They are not. See, sex and intimacy are not the same thing. There's intimate sex and unintimate sex. There is intimacy without sex and sex without intimacy. And that is in a relationship, a friends with benefits relationship, a long-term coupling, a situationship, etc. For some, sex can come with intense feelings, yes, and can feel like intimacy. And for some, they use sex to give themselves intimate moments with no regard for the person they are hunching on. Usually, people tend to focus on a sexual intercourse as if it were the only expression of sensual or sexual feelings towards another person. Physical intimacy is sensual proximity or touching. It is an act or reaction, such as an expression of feelings, reactions, thoughts, and emotions between people. It includes touching in a way that enhances feelings of closeness and or desire. Sexual intimacy combines the physical act of sex with the emotional closeness and trust. Touch is an important communication tool to convey care, love, trustworthiness between two people. As infants, skin-to-skin contact, snuggling, and in close proximity to our caretaker not only helped us survive, but thrive. As one of the first ways we felt love and comfort, touch is the basis of physical intimacy and an essential part of marital intimacy over the years. The skin-on-skin contact from a hug, a massage, or just Holding hands induces oxytocin, the bonding hormone, which can be potent or a potent way to support your health. It believes that it's the positive emotions stemming from physical touch, like feeling content, feeling relaxed, feeling alert. Those emotions led directly to lowering cortisol levels, blood pressure, and heart rate. To boosting your immune system. Studies suggest that those who enjoyed an increase in physical intimacy over a number of days experienced subsequent decreases in symptoms of physical problems such as body aches, headaches, insomnia, upset stomach, so forth and so off, so forth and so on. <laughs> like when you kiss a boo-boo in a child's knee. It also helps in boosting your self-esteem. See, touch like holding a loved one's hand or forehead kisses, which I adore, likely enhances the well-being in all relationships, but may be especially important in long-term relationships where sex has come to play a diminished role. Or in some relationships where sex does not play a role at all, physical contact of a non-sexual nature like a hug, a squeeze, you know, the random touches can be an effective pathway for maintaining intimacy. With its many benefits. There's research evidence that tells us that the presence of intimacy in our lives, you know, feeling understood, accepted, and cared for, strongly influence our overall physical, emotional, and mental well being. Intimacy builds from many sources, including the quality of our partners. Our others, our offsprings, our siblings, our loved ones, responsiveness during conversations, the presence of empathy, acts of kindness and generosity, and the ongoing experience of physical touch. Now, there's this quote by Don Cheeto in the movie Crash that came out back in 2004. It goes, you brush past people, people bump into you in LA. Nobody touches you. We're always behind the metal and glass. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other just so we can feel something. I feel as though we are in a world, in a society, in a culture where we are so scared to be intimate, so scared to be vulnerable that we are always behind metal and glass, a metaphor for a defense, a defensive wall. Keeping up a guard and not being able to completely open in a relationship, even the relationship we have with ourselves. There's a lack of intimacy we have with self and in turn, a lack of intimacy we have with others. We think that sex is the ultimate intimate act when it is merely a sliver of the pie, a part of a puzzle. Because to me, intimacy is not only an affection and an acceptance of another, but also intimacy is a sharing and appreciation of another's theirness. ness Eartha Kitt said, I fall in love with myself and I want someone to share it with me. I want someone to share me with me. And I in turn, this is from Kia, want to share them with them. There's an intimacy in being vulnerable. There's a vulnerability in being intimate. Being emotionally open. Being Intellectually open, being physically open, being mentally open, and sharing experiences where we can grow and learn and accept others' theirness. Intimacy is important. It's not just about sex. It's so much, so much more. That is it for me today. If you got any comments, questions, or concerns, you can find me on Kids at Some Shit on Instagram. Or you can leave it in my DMs. If you have a topic you'd like me for me to discuss, leave it there. I'll see you guys soon. Peace.